0: Fucker that you ever see. Yeah, I'm a crazy motherfucker walking up your straight.
1: Welcome to Working Dog Radio, <coughs> Broadcasting the Bite. Astute trainers with proper training tools are always the key to unleashing your dog's full potential. For over 30 years, DOCTOR has collaborated with industry professionals to create class-leading tools for e-collar training, GPS tracking, and ball training to support dog owners in developing top-notch working dogs. Trusted by professional dog trainers, canine officers, and hunters, DOCTOR enhances your training journey with durable training products equipped with patented, accurate, intuitive controls and technology to ensure the best experience. Join us, and together we can make every dog. exceptional find them at dogtra.com
0: highland canine training llc to all of my fellow le canine guys highland canine should definitely be on your short list of vendors when it comes time to adding to your unit or replacing one of your dogs highland canine offers green and pre-trained single and dual purpose dogs if you train in-house but most importantly they offer a full-service canine academy with canine handlers courses canine instructors courses specialized advanced canine training in canine supervisors courses. Jason and his staff of instructors have been there and done that in this game. They run these classes year-round, so go to their awesome website at www.tacticalpolicek9training.com. That's tacticalpolice, the letter K, the number nine, training.com, and make your unit better.
1: Let me hop in here and talk about our sponsors for the podcast, Southern Coast Canine, based out in New Smyrna, Florida. Southern Coast Canine has been providing better training, better results, and better dogs for over 25 years. Led by Bill Heiser and known for their excellent high drive dual purpose and detection dogs and outstanding customer service. They have what you want and what you are looking for. Call 1 DOGS. That's 877 and speak with Bill to discuss your canine needs today or visit southerncoastcanine.com that's the letter k the number nine follow them on facebook and instagram at southern coast canine the letter k the number nine let me take a second and talk to the explosive handlers here for a second everybody knows that hme is a huge problem now the problem with training on it is that it's extremely dangerous and a lot of times you guys only get access to it a couple of times a year which is not enough nobody wants to handle tatp or hmtd so enter true canine That's TrueScent, the letter K, the number nine dot com. They manufacture an actual odor, not a pseudo. It's an actual explosive odor suspended in silica. So they do TATP, HMTD, RDX, TNT, PETN, ammonium nitrate, potassium chlorate and they do a distractor odor too so that you can proof the dogs off of the training aids but it's actual explosive odor suspended in silica it's safe to handle you're not going to blow yourself up you're not going to endanger anyone else and the dogs through verified testing that trucent has done will alert on both the training aids and then actual hme odor down the line through training so hit them up, com. That's the letter K, the number nine, com. Hey, guys, JJ here. I'm letting you know this show kicks ass. This episode kicked ass a little too much, and we had some secret squirrel shit in Ted's potty mouth that we had to cut out. So you guys sit back, listen to it. When you hear the blank spots, know that was just too much real for your ears. Here we go. Um, all right, this is Ted. Working Dog Radio, we are back again tonight. Uh, Eric, what's going on?
2: Uh, today was Wednesday, so we had a large group training. I had, I think, 17 guys there today, and we had, um, what we have? Oh, we had research guys going on. We had regular training dudes. So, you know, we're doing research. We can bang them out pretty quick. So I tried to do the recertification. I had an evaluator there, and then in the middle of all that, throw them through a scenario, and then get back to the testing and everything like that. And so it was, it was a good time. I have, um, two dogs that are getting ready to ship out of this country, um, which is turning out to be a monumental pain in the fucking ass, Uh, (laughs) um, which I, I don't, you know, I don't know how much more I'm going to do of that, but, uh, thank God for shipping companies. Actually, you have no choice. You have to use a shipping company but uh, it's funny i got online uh delta referred like five shipping companies and the first one i picked is about 15 minutes from me so i'm like fuck i never knew that that'll be perfect yeah oh, wow. so having having fun uh got, oh hey i know what i want to tell you <clears throat> so those gloves you recommended right for me kevlar gloves
1: yeah
2: i was training a an agency that i don't normally train yesterday and i had a dog take a cheap shot at my hand and uh Lo and behold, I did not get injured.
1: Yeah, you know... Yeah, <laughs> yeah those are awesome. Uh, and they're not really made for us. They're not even made for law enforcement. They're actually made for um, motorcycle guys, like uh, dudes that ride, like, Hayabusas and stuff. Or I don't obviously, I'm not a motorcycle guy. But they're uh, Kevlar-aligned, and I've gone through probably 30 pairs of those things. Um, they're leather. They break in really well, and... I've been nabbed. I got bit today and should have been stitches, but now my finger just hurts. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're awesome. I, I And they're super cheap. They're only like 40 bucks. So, yeah, they are they are super nice. And I've got several pairs that I use for shooting. So, um, they're, I like them. So, for sure. Yeah. trying to think good, what we got good going on. Alicia is headed to uh, Colorado this weekend. Uh, we got a handler up there getting married. Uh, I'm staying here cause, uh, Hagner's coming back and, um, we're, we've got like 14 patrol dogs that need work. So Sean's like, I want to come down and get bit. I'm like, well, come on down then. Cause I got plenty for you to do. So, uh, yeah, Sean's coming down <coughs> from St. Louis. So that should be a good time. And then, uh, we're getting ready to start an explosives dog, uh, two actually, uh, here in the next 10 or 15 days. So when they get finally show up from Holland, but yeah, so, um, other than that, it's been pretty much business as usual. Scott and I have a ton of dogs going on. I think we've got twenty-two, three total going right now. So, uh, yeah, I need I, I need another person at the kennel. <laughs> yeah, if you,
3: if you, if you
2: think uh, we we complain about shipping all the time, um, my guy who is shipping the dog from here to Holland is paying eighteen hundred and eighty dollars us to ship this dog back over um so it's it's highway robbery
1: no it is we just talked to a homie you got that pico dog from um mm-hmm. today and uh i think we're flying him over here and uh he can bring the dogs i think the plane ticket's a thousand bucks and it costs like 300 bucks per dog so we're gonna bring two or three over at a time and just fly him over and pick him up have him stay here at my house for a couple of days and then send him home. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the move. Because if not, move. i got to drive to Houston. So, <laughs> like, I'm not... I, yeah, no, fuck that. So, um, tonight, you know, uh, we do a lot of, like, trainers. We do a lot of handlers. Um, there is... So, Eric and I both train um, explosives dogs. Um, aside from other stuff, I do bed bug dogs. I'll do anything. If it needs to be found, I'm, you know, Scott and I can do it as long as we can find odor. So, speaking of odor, one of the... Lead scientist for Signature Science, which is the maker of Trucent, uh, which is an explosive odor uh, for training canines, is with us tonight. His name is Ellie Zussman. Ellie, how are you?
3: I'm well, thanks, guys. How are you?
1: Doing well. So um, before we kind of get started here, I just want to tell everybody listening, uh, so... Y- they sent us um, your resume, and you are not a handler. You're not going to say you're a handler. Um, you are involved in a lot of projects um, in support of uh, canine handlers for three letter agencies and for the military and for tiered units and everything else. So, kind of give us a background on how we get to um, where we're at today, which is Signature Science and True Scent.
3: Sure. So it's. A little bit of a winding story with a whole lot of pinch me moments.
1: Yeah, but it involves OJ. Um, so it, it
3: involves OJ, uh, believe it or not. Right. <laughs> so um, <laughs> my uh, my family are relatively recent immigrants to the U.S. I'm first generation on my dad's side, and third on my mom's side, and both were effectively refugees from Eastern Europe, um, and so they really left their home countries with nothing and the only thing they had was a belief in educating their children as a way to get back um, their life and their status and so from an early age uh, as the oldest I I always knew I would go to college because that was just there wasn't a question right Um, and so but I didn't know what that meant Um, so in fourth grade I recall you know getting a C and my grandmother called me up and and yells at me for 30 minutes effectively telling me, you know, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? You're wasting your life. Um, She was born in 1919 and and went to college right at a time when like most men didn't even go to college. And so um, I'm in 10th grade and someone asked me, Oh, you're going to college, you know, what are you going to study? It was a question I never considered because I didn't know you had a choice. I thought it was like high school, you show up in ninth grade, they tell you, Oh, you're taking US history this year, you're taking algebra, or whatnot. I said, what do you mean? Like, you have to pick something to study? What? They're like, oh yeah, you, <laughs> you have to pick something. So at the time I was taking chemistry and the OJ case was, was happening in the news and it was fascinating. It was, it was pre CSI, right? So mm-hmm. nobody had heard of forensic science. And I thought, well, um, I'm tiny, right? I'm at the time I showed up at college under five feet tall, and weighing less than a hundred pounds. Um, I'd always been intrigued by law enforcement in the military but I had no interest in getting my ass beat or getting into a fight <laughs> at that size. So I thought, well, how can I contribute to the greater cause? Uh, and OJ just opened my world to all the DNA evidence and the, and the shoe print and the gloves. And I thought, well, Hey, forensic science, that sounds awesome. Uh, the next logical question from everybody in it was, Hey, what is that? And who does that? <laughs> and I thought, well, shoot for the stars, right? FBI. They're the, I, have a bit, you know, I could go work for a local police agency, but here I am in 10th grade. Uh, FBI sounds good to me, right? And uh, ultimately, I did, uh, through a winding path, I, I found my way to the FBI.
1: Wow, huh. that's insane. So you, you're literally like, I'm just going to show up, and then, yeah, I'm going to go work for the FBI. Like, It's super hard to get hired by those guys. Yeah, yeah normally <laughs> it does
2: not work that way.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, so
3: in college, uh, I went to I went to undergrad in Georgia, and Georgia is one of the few states that is a state bureau of investigation. And so I went and did an internship in the drug chemistry unit at the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, which was pretty challenging. I was the first person in in, um, in my college, at least, to to do that. It, it was quite a bit of paperwork. And, again, it was still pre-CSI, so nobody really had a clue what, what was going on. Um, but that was really cool because even though – because I didn't have a degree and I wasn't I wasn't certified, I couldn't do casework, I could do research, though. So I was there the day something like 40 kilos of cocaine showed up um, and, of course, all kinds of marijuana and, and a bunch of really interesting – there was a lot of steroid cases from um, weightlifters, uh, illicit steroids. So um, I, I sort of carved my own path, and then I picked my – I have a master's in forensic science, and I picked that in the school GW specifically because of its proximity to the FBI, and hoping that would that would get me there.
2: No, tricky. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> clever, clever. So uh, yeah, yeah, you do that, and you know you're kind of moving forward and fast forward um, through. You go to the FBI. Um, at what point do you start working with um, support and logistics for some of the canine guys?
3: Almost immediately, um, and I should clarify too, because I know impersonating a federal agent is <laughs> is a felony.
1: Um,
3: so technically, I was what they call a visiting scientist. Um, they have a program there that lets you come for one; it's a maximum of a three-year program. And so I was I was in the visiting scientist program at what uh, it's their counterterrorism and forensic science research unit and so that unit all it does is research to support the laboratory division so they have active cases sometimes science doesn't have a modern answer to a case that they have going on and so they'll say hey we have a case we there's no technology that exists we don't nobody knows the answer to this problem And it might be something that's so specific to law enforcement that a university or broad science isn't interested in studying. And so they would kick it over to us. And so the first project that I got on was related to human scent. Uh, The caseworkers had said, Hey, uh, we have a case. Super interesting. Um, Turns out that, I mean, I'm not a fingerprint expert, right? But it turns out that there are several components to fingerprints. And one of them that, or what makes fingerprints stick around for a while is the oily part of it. Well, prepubescent kids don't make that oily part of the fingerprint yet. And so they had a kidnapping case and they had the suspect, um, they had enough uh, of a probable cause to get uh, a tracking canine to search the vehicle um, for the suspect and the canine alerted. So they searched the vehicle, but the kid wasn't in it. And then the question became, well, you know, is the dog right? was the kid at one point in this car and is that enough threshold of evidence to get a warrant and, and further, um, you know, further detain this person, search their house, do other things. Right. And, and nobody really knew the answer to that question, which is how long can the human, and of course, tying back to the children, there were no fingerprints on the glass or anything because it, and, and that wasn't expected. Right. Right. Um, and so we were just looking into is, can we create a chemical test an odor test to figure out, if we take this kid's shirt that he wore, and take an air sample of the trunk, can we try to match it and, and chemically figure out if this kid was there? And so that turned into a bunch of projects about what make up human scent, um, how do they, came up, what are they, what are they detecting for, what, how do they differentiate one person from another? Really, again, sort of this sort of pinch me moment type of research where. I was uh, I was there at, at 24 years old, right? Achieved my life dream. I figured I wouldn't get there until I was 50, working on really interesting projects like that.
1: Wow, that so literally the interview we did that's already aired by the time this one does uh, was with a guy by the name of Jeff Shetler. I, I mean, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a um, he's known in our industry for tracking. And Eric and I just interviewed, and we had an interesting conversation about about human odor and the way the dogs kind of generalize it or detect it and what they're actually detecting. And was he, you know, we kind of came to the conclusion during that interview we just did the other day that um, sort of like what you're talking about and how and where those dogs find it. So it's interesting to hear from our side as, you know, leash guys, the guys that run the leashes versus the guys from your side, which are like, you know, it's just another odor. It's just another chemical to almost say the exact same thing. <laughs> so, uh it's pretty interesting. As you're talking, I'm like, "Oh man, I didn't realize <laughs> that that was going to be uh that closely related." But so <laughs> interestingly, interestingly enough, you know, you know, we uh which I'm sure this will come up here in a second, uh as trainers, you know, we constantly are either trying to make dogs do something that is not necessarily in their skill set or um, they're looking for something that doesn't really matter to them. Like dogs don't care about TATP, that are generally don't care about human scent. And we're as trainers trying to find a way for them to um isolate those things and find them in natural environments where they're hunting and whatever else. So it's interesting you bring that up and uh I had, I'm looking through your resume. I had zero idea that that was going to come up, but it is very cool. So if you are listening to this, make sure everybody, you listen to Jeff Shetler's interview too, which should be like, I think episode 30. Yeah. Can you, can you, um,
2: so there, we have a lot of people that listen to this, that a are not um, knowledgeable at all in bombs and they hear, and HMEs, 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 and they, they don't really understand what that is. Can you kind of, delve into that a little bit and like the maybe even some of the weirdest shit you've seen
3: yeah so uh, hme homemade explosive and there are a couple of ways that i find useful in talking about homemade explosives so fundamentally an explosive is comprised of two components a fuel and an oxidizer now that that is a generalization that breaks down there are circumstances where that's not true but it's a good it's a very good starting place and then um, there's two basic ways that you can combine the fuel and the oxidizer to make an explosive you can do a mixture which is sort of what i like to call the salad method right you have a fuel and an oxidizer and you just put them together uh, so the salad method, right, You have to make a salad, you have lettuce, you have tomato, maybe you have onions. Um, but when you make the salad, you still haven't changed the fact that you have lettuce and tomato. They're, they're still individual entities. You just put them together and you have a salad, right? Mm-hmm. So that would be something like your, your ANFO, right? You have your ammonium nitrate. That's an oxidizer. You have your diesel. That's your fuel. You put them together, and now you have an explosive. Uh, those are really simple to do which is why they they take almost no knowledge of chemistry whatsoever. Um, You you don't need to do a reaction or anything. And so those are really popular. Um, The other alternative is if you want some of the higher performing explosives, you can make uh, what's called a compound. And that would be the analogy I use is like baking a cake, right? You take the ingredients, you have flour, sugar, oil, salt, um, and you put them in an oven you heat it up and then you come back out with a cake and you know if you're allergic to eggs or you're vegan like i can't take the eggs back out right where in a salad you don't like onions you just take them out right um and so in that particular case the fuel and the oxidizer are actually chemically bonded to one another and and that has some really beneficial principles if you're trying to do damage right they, they tend to be much higher performing explosives but they require a little bit more knowledge and expertise i mean not a lot right this isn't this is still garage chemistry. you can do this with mason jars and and walmart um, burners and and very sand and very simple pieces of equipment
2: hmm. yeah that's um so is it like how, when you got into the explosives? so your career kind of takes a you know you hit the turn signal and it takes a a different turn there um, Did you find it easy to? based on your past to really learn all this stuff, or were you like, man, this shit is really super fascinating?
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it's both, right? Um, so from a scientific perspective, it's it's not that complicated. Um, but obviously for my own personal health, right, I'm, I only have 10 fingers, right, and then mm-hmm. five eyebrows, <laughs> And so – and chemical weapons too, right? The, the, the cost of failure is high. Um, don't get me wrong, right? But it, it's a different <laughs> – yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You, you can wear PPE for that, right? You can put on a respirator, you can put on a suit, right? That you can't, you know, you can't put your hand back on after an accident. So there was, uh, there was some hesitation there. Right. And I started out doing things that, I guess rightfully so. Sort of slowly, right? I mean, you might you might have called me chicken back then, and I I readily acknowledge it. Hey, you know, I didn't I didn't really know what I was doing, so yeah, that was that was probably the smart way to start. Well, well and yeah. then of course <laughs> well, legally, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then of course legally, right? It actually all started with ATF licensing, right? So we do have ATF licenses in multiple facilities. So what we are doing is fully above board.
1: Right. Yeah, and you know that's the thing. Like I always joke with my handlers because. Um, you, with when I'm handling axle explosives odor, I'm that didn't bother me at all. But when I'm handling heroin, I'm super tweaked out. Like I've got gloves on. I, you know, I want. I feel like I should have a respirator on. I don't even want to get it near me. <laughs> no, so I'd rather handle handle explosives than I would <laughs> handle heroin any day. Like, but <laughs> like, so I'm like, no, I'm I'm good. I don't because people. I mean, you know, we've had. Way more up in Eric's area than mine, but, you know, we've had a lot of problems with um, heroin and with uh, – we're going to have to edit this, JJ, but, uh, Eric, what the is The fentanyl. You? Yeah, fentanyl. Huh? Yes. fentanyl. That's just no joke. yeah No, that. Fuck that, that. That, that shit will kill you. <laughs> that yeah. that if will kill f- you if, quickly.
2: If you're a nap yeah. water person – stop making dogs sniff the interior of fucking cars. Yeah,
1: we had, I ran into that the other the day fentanyl. and you know, and this is kind of a sidebar here, but uh, I ran into that the other day and some guy was like, Oh, well I need to sniff the inside. I'm like, why? You already got probable cause to take it to the fucking garage, tear it apart. You don't need to kill the dog. Doesn't matter. Like, what do yeah. you like? Who cares? But sorry. So, All right, so, uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about explosives. Then, um, so, the we all, uh, in law enforcement anyways, and a lot of private individuals that get the ATF license that you mentioned, can get, you know, all the main explosives. Like in Ohio, there's seven explosives that we test on. But um, we are seeing, of course, overseas and and here now, I'm sure, the HMEs and things and the peroxide-based explosives. Um, talk, talk a little bit, if you can, about, or if you will, about the volatility of like TATP. And these are things that a lot of people just don't get.
3: Yeah, so and that's the hallmark of our TruCent line, right, are the ones that are hard for people to get. Um, so the two, there are three peroxide based primary explosives, and we, we talk about explosives, and we use terms like primary, secondary and tertiary. Primary means it's incredibly unstable. Um, that would be what would be in a blasting cap. And so those are, of course, the most dangerous things for you guys to come across, right, as a canine right. handler, yeah, both yeah. for you and the dog, right? Um, and unfortunately for us, the peroxide ones, the TATP and HMTD, they're, they're solids. And then there's MEKP, which is a liquid. Um, so the, the ones m- most people are familiar with are TATP and HMTD. And they're really easy to make, right? So TATP has three main ingredients. They're acetone, hydrogen peroxide or pool shock. Um, so it's super easy to get the ingredients and all of a sudden you have this explosive that's really sensitive. Um it's nicknamed the mother of Satan because it it, it can detonate under pretty basic conditions and um it's a real threat.
2: I thought that was Alicia's nickname.
1: Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So so we hear, you know, and I, I know this happened in Ohio a couple of years ago, um, a state chemist, a federal chemist or something else that ends up having an issue with TATP or something and then, you know, blows fingers or hands off. Um, and the, the, you know, you'll have people go, oh, they just did something incorrect or something wrong. But I, I'm told that's actually not the case. So if, if someone's listening to this right now and they think, oh, I can just go out and get all these chemicals and, and make make this explosive. Um, I don't think they really understand or grasp the volatility of this and, and what can go wrong. And, uh, I mean, would you say that some of the things where these chemists have had their hands blown off actually had nothing to do with what they did? Uh,
3: uh, so, I guess uh, – Good point and good question. I, let, me, let me attack the point first, right? Which is, yeah, while it is very easy to make, you're 100% right. I, I do not advocate that anybody go out and attempt to make it. First of all, it's illegal, right? And um, I believe it's a 25-year, uh, it's a felony with 25 years in prison and up to a $50,000 fine per, uh, per, uh, per count. So, first of all, don't do that. And then second of all, yeah, if you value your own life, it's not smart. Um, we ended up training a bomb squad outside of houston um because they had had to respond and this made um this actually made somewhat national news right there were two kids in their apartment making tatp and
1: uh i remember that yeah
3: blue blue uh, one kid died and the other one um got injured and they actually had to burn the 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 pictures are phenomenal right they had to
1: burn the apartment complex down holy Um, shit yeah, dude. yeah, and yeah, they had no. all these dump you, trucks. You'd think it was fucking bed bugs or something, but no, like, seriously. <laughs> they, it was, yeah, no, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Dump trucks. Yeah,
3: yeah and they, yeah, they put a bunch of dump trucks and they raised the beds so that any explosions or debris wouldn't get spread into the parking lot and cause damage to other units. Um, and so, yeah, I highly recommend that you don't do it. Um, and then to get to your question about the train people, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm familiar with several incidents, each have their own sort of what happened. Uh, and, and the thing about TATP is that, um, in, in my personal experience anyway, it, it certainly can go bad on you. There's a couple of things you can do to make it safer. And that's, that's air quotes, right? I mean, yeah. it's still not, <laughs> not safe. Uh-huh. And, um, in my personal experience, really, where people go wrong with it is they just get too comfortable around it. You get familiar, and um, and so that's something that we really work hard at is trying to to not do that. I mean, I've been doing this for ten years. Um, I know how to make it off the top of my head. Every time I do it, I take our SOP out. I have it in front of me. I refer to it. I don't take anything for granted. I make sure I don't skip any skip any steps. Right and because i like having my fingers in my nose and i mean i'm not i'm not a good looking dude right now i certainly don't need an accent to make me any uglier
1: (laughs) Yeah. proven canine training proven results providing scenario-based training for law enforcement based on years of law enforcement and military service creating dogs for scent detection Tracking, Patrol, and Obedience, national certifying official for all aspects of canine and canine-related work. Watch for seminars across the country near your locations in northeast New Mexico and Amarillo, Texas. Find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Proven Canine Training, a letter K, the number 9, or at www.ProvenDogTraining.com or give JJ a call at 417 844 five eight one six
0: eric here like many trainers ted and i go through toys with the hard super chewer dogs we typically have in our kennels so we need toys designed to withstand the grueling reality of high drive working dogs That's where USA Canine Dog Toys excel. Their toys are made from an extremely durable rubber compound. They have reward toys as well as food dispenser toys, all made to last and are very affordable. All the toys are military-themed. Go to the website, www.usa-canine.com. Check out the grenade-shaped toys... They got the Cherry Bomb. They got a lot of other great things over there. Military-themed toys. Here's the best part. A portion of all USA Canine proceeds go to support military working dogs and other veterans organizations. And that's freaking badass. www.usa-canine.com Use the promo code K-9. 9 pro or check them out on instagram at usa canine dog toys
1: that's no secret that eric and i are both huge fans of dog true in fact long before we even started the podcast we've both been users of Dogtra products for a very long time. My personal favorite is the 1900S. We use it at the kennel and all of my dual purpose handlers are issued them during their courses. One of the new things that's happened this year is that they've made the new Hess hands free and if you follow me on social media at all you've seen me using that little button and it has been a fantastic revelation in handling a dog and using the e-collar at the same time. So basically this thing, the 1900S hands free, is fully waterproof receiver and transmitter, water resistant hands free remote controller so don't drop it. Hands- Sensory remote control for multitasking. Discrete fingertip control. And it's got an ergonomic receiver. The other thing too is the gradual and precise stimulation. It goes from zero to 127 and everything in between. And it's a radio stat, so it has minimal jumps between each number. Also, it's very, very durable and reliable. Doctor colors are designed to withstand the most demanding and extreme conditions to support any training goals you have. It's intuitive design, so it has no fuss, no hassle. And it's ergonomic to provide you with a no-look control so you can keep your eyes on your dog while you're training. They've got great customer service and great support. Also, be sure to hit them up at doctor.com and use the discount code WDR10 to get 10% off anything over 200 bucks that you're buying. Everybody be sure to head over to blue-9, that's the number, .com and check out the new sponsors of the podcast. Blue 9 products. They make the climb, which Eric and I are both using. It's awesome for teaching place commands and generalizations for training. It's movable, UV resistant, holds 500 pounds, only weighs 14 pounds by itself, made in the US. Check them out. Blue 9.com. Let me take a second and talk to the explosive handlers here for a second. Everybody knows that HME is a huge problem now. And the problem with training on it is that it's extremely dangerous, and a lot of times you guys only get access to it a couple of times a year, which is not enough. Nobody wants to handle TATP or HMTD. So enter k 9 That's truecent the letter K, the number 9.com. They manufacture an actual odor, not a pseudo. It's an actual explosive odor suspended in silica. So they do TATP, HMTD, RDX, TNT, PETN, ammonium nitrate, potassium chlorate, and they do a distractor odor too so that you can proof the dogs off of the training aids, but it's actual explosive odor suspended in silica. It's safe to handle. You're not going to blow yourself up. You're not going to endanger anyone else. And the dogs, through verified testing that TruScent has done, will alert on both the training aids and then actual HME odor down the line through training. So hit them up, com. That's the letter K, the number nine, Truescentcanine.com Okay, we're back. So right before this, we were talking about um, why nobody likes to fuck with TATP because um, it's really dangerous. <laughs> but the problem is is it's super uh, prevalent now because, as Ellie has mentioned, it's super easy to make and just about anybody can do it, and you can do it under the radar. And we talked about the kids in Houston that had to blow up the complex or they had to tear down the complex because of it. Um, in fact, if I remember right, wasn't it what the guys in Paris use, the, the Paris Bombers? Yes, it yeah. is. Paris and Brussels. Right.
3: And um, actually, my, my presentation hits this past year included some of the more common TTP events. So I was just going to pull up the a couple of the big ones right. just to – I mean, but there are, I had to omit a significant number of the events cause there's too many. Right. Um, but the, some of the ones that people may be familiar with, uh, first of all, starting the Madrid 2004 train attacks, um, mm. the blasting caps were TATP based. Right. Um, then the Texas city event that was in 2006, by the way, that we already mentioned, um, the underwear bomber had TATP in his underwear um, and then Holy I try to, to bring some, yeah, I know, right. So I
1: can, I can think of a like. lot of places, I can think of a lot of places to put that, but my underwear is not on the top of that list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the fuck? So, oh man. Um, so, <laughs> right. Yeah. And the, so the thing is, you know, like you mentioned, GTP and is extremely, um, extremely unstable and HMEs are. Can be a multitude and a myriad of things, um, and they're becoming more and more um, prevalent. Uh, the normal, like military-grade explosives, as you mentioned, you know, when they were in Iraq, it was super easy to get a hold of because Saddam had a very mature military. Yada yada. Here, that stuff's not that easy to get a hold of. Um, the ATF manages to do a good job, and. You know, it's a one-in, one-out system. I mean, it's a basic accounting system. I mean, Eric and I both have licenses for that. We know how it works. You have one. You know how it works. You check it in, you check it out. It's not that big of a deal. If it gets blown up, you account for it, how it gets how it gets taken care of, and everything else. The other stuff that's made, the HME and the TATP, is a real problem. And in a conversation that Eric and I have frequently with um, certification standards, any handler that's listening to this, and Eric, you can kind of, expand on this in a second one of the main problems that they have when you go as an explosives handler either for a state or national certification is it's explicit and it's usually written in italics and bold and underlined in the certification standards that you are not to use anything but real odor so you know, I was talking with somebody who's a canine handler that's semi-close to me. Um, He's an explosive hander, and we've kind of come to an impasse because we have some really volatile shit that is a real threat, and these guys aren't tested on it. Um, I get that they're tested on ancillary shit that's going to cause—they're tested on other stuff that's relatively easy to handle and everything else. However, this is a perfect time to talk about how the story of Trucent and how we got to modern day.
3: Yeah, so Trucent was started in 2005, actually, for um, chemical and biological weapons for the L.A. Police Department, who had what um, I've been told was the first ever domestic chemical and biological weapons dog. And one of the things that I appreciate and value about Signature Science is even though we are a scientific company, one of the things that sort of separates us is that um, we do have non-scientists. We have applied people. So we have uh, former police officers. We have former soldiers, uh, reti- you know, retired special forces, retired Navy SEALs. Um, and so we had a, a former police canine handler who was on our payroll who worked for us. And so he had a connection somehow to this handler in L.A. and said, hey, I need help. I, I got a I got a domestic chem-bio I don't know anything about chem-bio. I'm supposed to train this thing, right? Other than I know I'm probably not supposed to put anthrax in front of its nose, um, help. Yeah. And so we um, we worked on those training aids first. And then later in 2010, the military working dog program out of Lackland Air Force Base um, came to us with a similar sort of request, which is that they had, um, you know, domestically, ATF, FBI, they can get to TATP a couple times a year as those programs come into town with their traveling roadshow and they make it and they can imprint the dogs or, or, um, at least make sure that they're continually trained, but they couldn't get their overseas dogs, the dogs in Iraq and Afghanistan. They couldn't get them real odor and and real was a, a mandatory requirement for them. And so they came to us and said, Hey, we we need to get our dogs trained up on TATP and HMTD. Um, we don't have a safe way to send those to Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, can you develop a training aid that has real TTP that has real HMTD, but is safe enough that we can ship it anywhere in the world? And so we we undertook that research project for them and ended up with Trusent.
1: Yeah. So this is a perfect this is a perfect time. So we have three levels of odor for specifically for canine. Um, We have pseudo, we have simulant, or and then we have actual odor. So kind of talk about what the difference is there, unless it's not obvious. If, I mean, if you're listening to this and you don't know, then it's no harm, no foul. If you are, great, then you can fast forward. I don't care. But um, I just kind of want to hear the difference between pseudo simulant and actual odor.
3: So, and... From my perspective, um, pseudo is a scent that you hope, you know, it mimics what the real scent is going to be, but in a lot of ways, you don't necessarily know, um, you know, so that's actually, for me, the hardest one to define, ironically. I think for most other people, it's it's the easiest to define. Um, there might be something like in a, in a drug, right, You if you assume... That um, if you assume that cocaine is cut with other things, for me the cutting agent that that's sort of like the simulant to me. Um, some people might call that a pseudo, um, and that's not really a strength of mine, right? I'm, my my strength is really in the real in the real odor right. component of it. Um, so, I guess I'm, I'm I'm not so confident in the answer to that to that part of the question for the simulant versus pseudo. Um, I can tell you about the real part, though, which is really where my my expertise comes in. Um, if that's helpful.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: And so, uh, so for us, the value in it is, uh, and this started from my time at the FBI. How I got interested in it was, uh, the hammer said to me, I, "I have a problem, right? Which is that until I put, you know, until I can put my dog on the stand, ask it a question in English, and it answers in English, what right. I train my dog with." Um, and my training records are all I have. And since my dog isn't, as far as I'm aware, ever going to do that, answer me in English, I have to be really specific and scientific in how I train it, right? Because you don't know what questions you're asking it and how you're influencing it. Um, and so that was why they made such a huge effort to train on on real odor, right? which is and that's directly parallel to scientific method and scientific approach. If you're to boil down the scientific method and approach, you design an experiment where you change everything but one variable so that you know that the results are directly related to that one variable, right? And so um, when you train a dog on real odor, you know that it's alerting to what would be present if it were really searching for that, right? So if if you're trying to train a bomb dog, if you train it and you want it to find C4, Well, C4 is going to have RDX, that's the explosive part. It's going to have a tagant, um, and it's going to have a plasticizer. Well, if you train it on the plasticizer and the tagant, um, it's going to find a bunch of other plastics that aren't C4, right? Um, But if you train it on the explosive part, the real part of the odor, right? Right. Um, and so that's the, that's the benefit of using the real, the real odor is you, you're not asking your dog questions that it's hard for it to define. Right. Um, and I know it's, or I I, from listening to a bunch of your other podcasts and conversations that handlers have had at the FBI with things like cocktailing and other things, um, you, you can avoid a lot of those issues. Right. Cause again, you don't know what question you're asking your dog, or what you're training them on to detect. Are you just, Asking them to detect something that's not the explosive if you're training them on a pseudo or a simulant, or you're actually training them to detect the odor of the explosive. Um, and chemically that gets actually even a little bit more complicated, right? Um and I don't wanna I have this, we have some repeat clients, so as a group out of Fort Bragg and this guy, and this student, he always sits in the same place in all my classes. Mm-hmm. And every time I start getting super sciencey, he doesn't wear glasses, right? But he looks straight in my face, he sits in the front row. And he he does this motion, right? He takes his finger and he pushes it up his nose, like, put your glasses up. It's about to get get technical in here, (laughs) right? Um, So let's have one of those moments, right? Uh, If you think about perfume or cologne, uh, what you have there is you have a very small quantity of actual chemical, but it's very strong, right? You wouldn't put cologne on or perfume on if it didn't last for several hours and so when you talk about odor you have a couple of factors that need to be considered right you have what is actually in the air in its own right and then you also have what are odorants what have stronger and weaker odors and um, all of those things come into play here and another analogy that i can use there is coffee right so uh I don't know about you guys. I'm a huge coffee drinker. My kids are 17 months apart. I could have never survived in <laughs> their infancy without massive quantities of caffeine. And uh, my my aunt drinks hazelnut coffee, and so I, I was just purely interested one day when um, as as the odor guy, right? What's the What's the difference chemically between regular coffee and hazelnut coffee? And if you look at it from just a bulk percentage wise, hazelnut coffee is overwhelmingly just Regular coffee, the hazelnut portion is a very small percentage by weight of the coffee, right? But in the odor, to people anyway, I don't know how a dog perceives it, but to people, to me, um, the hazelnut part is is very palpable, right? And it has a huge percentage of the odor part because it's it's a strong odorant. So it may not be present in large quantities, but we interpret it very strongly. And so I we I believe that. you you want to put your dog in the best position so you don't have other chemicals that are not part of the explosive that might have that same effect, right? You might have something in there that's not explosive that overwhelms the scent picture. And now all of a sudden you're training them to find something that may not be there in a real IED. And that's, that's a bad day, right? And ultimately that's why I do this. I'm, I'm too chicken and too small to be the guy out there with a gun or holding a leash, but if I can do the best I can to, Get to get the handlers and to get the soldiers safe to find to find the bombs and get them home to their families. Then 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 I've done a good thing and that's my job, right? So uh, and I believe the best way to do that is to train on real explosives.
2: So the true scent um, with the real explosive odor. How do you um what do I want to call it? I don't know if you call it suspended or how do you ha- have it held into the the um, uh, training aid, and then how should, when you buy some, how do you mitigate that? Rather than, I mean, is it in a whole bunch of different uh, chemicals, or is it in one or two things?
3: Uh, How how do we, everybody wants to poof off of everything. So what is (laughs) the deal with that? Absolutely. So it's, uh, excellent question. It's it's inerted, is what we call it, in in simply one chemical. It's inerted in silica. (laughs) And, and then that the, the, mixture of the explosive and the silica, and it's deposited in a uniform way so that you can still get the odor off of it. And then that's placed in a breather bag. So, um, the silica effectively has no odor, but of course you still want, we still believe that you should proof off of that. Right. So, um, anytime you buy true scent, you're also going to get a blank, which is just hundred percent silica and the breather bag so that you can proof off of it. Right. So that anything that might not be the explosive odor is, and it's only those two things, right? It's the breather bag and the silica. Uh, we're super careful. We don't even put ink on our packets. It's, in, uh, the the true send is actually embossed onto the breather bag itself. What the explosive is, um, just to avoid accidentally adding something else to the odor odor picture that we don't want there.
2: So, uh, so when you get true scent uh no matter which odor it is you get you can get the silica and the bag and everything so you can do all the proofing off of it um that you need and of course it's up to everybody else with rubber gloves or whatever else they're using but you guys do provide a uh, a vehicle to uh make sure that they're
3: in the end only getting the actual explosive odor exactly yeah and we have a handler, a uh, retired ATF handler, Claire Rayburn, who handles all the usage itself. So I'm a little bit ahead of my lane here, right? But we do have – so we we send you an instruction sheet on, on that part of it. And I hope I do her justice. She can she can come in and correct me, right? But um, And then she'll actually walk you through it. Uh, anytime somebody buys it for the first time, she'll call them and spend usually about 30 minutes on the phone with them, just making sure that they understand – to proof off of the off of the blanks first, um, she this is her words, not mine, right? But it's a lot easier to proof off at first uh, yeah. than to do it on the, on the back end. Yeah. I have um, actually talked to her on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I have not, I but I understand exactly what the hell she's talking about. She's right. <laughs> yeah,
2: one, yeah. I got. I um, we we have in in the city that I work in. Um, we have a um, uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, right? So uh, we have a bunch of bomb dogs there um, during their big festivities and everything. And so one of those guys works for the state fire marshal's office. And he's a great guy, great dog, real experience, travels everywhere. And him and his ATF counterpart down there swear by Trucent. So we were uh, talking to him about it, and he hooked us up with her. Uh, At the Police canine Association, we bought the the three that we talked about. Right. Urea nitrate, um, HMTD and the TATP, And for those of you guys who are handlers know that most of your states in most of your states, you will have an FBI office or or the ATF or in conjunction that will do a seminar, so to speak, once a year, maybe twice, but usually once a year. Where they will bring you in, they'll bring in actual KTP and all that stuff, stuff that you can't have and you should never touch, you know, um, as a, as a knuckle dragging grunt. Um, and they bring you out for, you know, a couple days and they quote unquote imprint it on the dog. And then they run you on the Nort test and they do some other things. And uh, great. And when you leave, the dog is killing the cans and he's doing great. A year later, you haven't sniffed it at all, right? You've had no follow-up on it because um, it's just something that you don't get to generally train with. So we were looking for um, other avenues to keep the dogs fresh when that comes. So we got the True Scent, and our dogs have done really well on it. Um, they have then the f- next year when the time comes around or if they go to another school, they can skip all the imprinting parts and they go and test out of that stuff right away so that they can actually do scenario-based things. Um, so we at the Police Canine Association, we've had really good success with TrueSense. Um, and I did talk to her for quite a bit, and we poof off of all the silicon and all that stuff. So I am I am somewhat familiar with it. Um, but tell us, like, your catalog over there. what Do you guys have everything? <laughs>
3: Yeah. So first of all, it's good to hear that you, that you like the product. And that's what we hear. What I personally hear from other people at trade shows is that they can often get from the ATF and FBI, they get the dogs imprinted and they get some quarterly or semi-annually access, but the value really for them is the routine training, the weekly stuff, um, the in-between the tests, right? Just to stay fresh. And then also to do, to do the training in their own environment and their own sort of hides. You're not stuck in um, wherever it's made because they're not safe to transport or move in a lot of cases, right? And so that's, that's really the value that people find in particularly the peroxides. But we do have nine, nine cents. Um, the four homemade explosive cents, which are by far our, our biggest sellers strictly because most of our clients are military and police and they can get the commercial stuff. So our four homemade explosives are TATP and HMTD, the two peroxide primary explosives, Um, ETN, erythritol tetranitrate, um, that's a secondary explosive. For people who aren't familiar, it's chemically almost identical to PETN, which is DECORD. Um, And so we see that as sort of a rising up-and-coming explosive. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it may
1: be i'm not I'm not familiar with that case, yeah, he had a sugar bomb well, his... it was last year he did oh. I saw it it happened. Ooh, that's a bad day <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah I, the the one that I'm most familiar with there was a guy out in California, and again, one of those situations where they had they had to burn his house down um at the time Schwarzenegger was governor he he declared um a uh not in a state of emergency, but something equivalent that basically said the state of California is not, not legally responsible because they they had burned the house down, they had to shut down a major portion of interstate in outside of San Diego during rush hour. Uh, it ended up costing over a million dollars just to respond to this one guy's, one guy's house, and Etn was the main was the main threat there.
1: Ew. Damn. Yeah.
3: And he also so ETN, had at the ETN time. is
1: one of the scents though, and you won't blow your dick off with the two cents stuff, So that's good. But <laughs> that, even better, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then urea nitrate, um,
3: which is a bulk explosive. So that's actually what um, was used in the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. That's the most famous domestic usage of urea nitrate. But again, its, it's main ingredient is is fertil urea fertilizer. Um, so when when in Afghanistan, when we made ammonium nitrate illegal because they were just using it to blow people up. They could bring, farmers could bring in their ammonium nitrate and guess what we turn around and give them urea. So what uh, do we see now <laughs> urea nitrate. Um, so those are the four homemade explosive scents that we sell. Um, and then we also have chlorate um, potassium, chlorate, which is a big one, ammonium nitrate. Those are, those are and RDX. We do have an RDX one. If you're uh, if you can't get that, which is well.
2: pretty easy to get, so
3: but yeah. still not everybody.
2: And it's a one-stop shop, right?
3: It's Does a one-stop get shop. On
2: website in order.
3: Yes, um, truescentk9.com, and you. We also sell bulk kits, so you can get them in discount if you do it that way. Uh, the nice thing about the sense, on top of the the fact that you you won't blow your off. Uh, yeah. and you don't need yes. license. Somebody
1: needs to put right? that on a t shirt. You won't blow your dick off.
3: Yeah, it's hey, it's a good day, right, when that doesn't happen. So exactly. um, you don't well, that need to be magazine, on my so media
2: by the end of the week.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hell yeah.
3: Um, so, um, and real then real quick before we
2: before we get uh closing up here, I had to ask you, so you you had never um you know, you're a chemist, and you're working with you know numbers and and data and things like that. What have what has working with the dog side of it taught you about odor and chemistry?
3: Well, it's taught me two things, I guess. from From the data side, so one of the things I find really interesting, and it may have changed since I left the FBI, but um, you know, we take our five senses for granted. Well, I know I did, right? And um, it turns out that actually the sense of smell is still generally unknown, right? There's been a Nobel Prize awarded for all the other scents. Uh, When I was at the FBI, somewhere around 2006, a couple of neuroscientists won a Nobel Prize for figuring out what happens in your brain when you smell stuff. But nobody really knows what's happening in your nose, right? Like you ask a kid... You know, you can ask, like, a fourth or fifth grade kid, how does an eye work? And they, they generally understand, right, that there's light they might have learned in school. You have rods and cones and different frequencies of lights hit it, and it tells your brain what's going on, right? No one has any clue. I mean, that's an overstatement, right? But we generally don't understand how noses work. So the part to get your question about the dogs that's fascinating to me, really, what they've taught me is even though we don't scientifically understand it, they are amazing at what they do. I mean, every time someone comes up with a new chemical thing and it it can detect something at parts per billion or parts per trillion and say, this is the most sensitive instrument ever known to mankind. Right. And then it can't see something and you put a dog on it and and they can see it. They can discriminate through complex distractors, right. Um, Differentiating human scent with people that change their cologne, change their deodorant, smoke or don't smoke. Um, Their their just ability to do their job when they're well trained is phenomenal. They amaze me every time I see them go to work. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and yeah, I love when I
2: hear people sound on how many, how much billion times more a dog can smell than a human being or whatever. And nobody knows. You're all just making that shit up. Uh, when they say that stuff, you know, what I mean, it's just a throwing out random numbers because no one really knows. Yeah. I mean, they have a they can dissect the dog and tell you how many more, you know, certain things they have inside their nose and, and how things work. But um, I, I'm still uh, that's the one thing about this industry. And, and Ted, uh, him and I talk about it a lot. A dog will amaze me every week. Uh, well, uh, from from a working dog to a pet dog, you're like, holy shit, man! You actually could do that, and and yeah. you know, you don't even think that. And and then they, you know, they're not robots, of course, and so they have good days and bad days. But on on a general path,
3: they're pretty freaking good. Man. Yeah, and then the other really cool part for me, especially seeing the military dogs, right, is some of the stuff that they get these dogs to do. They're totally normal, right? My, my dog, he's just a house dog, but he hates thunder. He goes crazy. He's not scared of it, but he barks at it. He goes nuts. He runs around. Right. And then you see these military dogs, they're training them in the middle of firefights, jumping into helicopters, jumping out of air. I mean, parachuting out of airplanes strapped to a handler. And they just look from the pictures of, I haven't been on the plane watching that, but I've seen a lot of the pictures, right? They just look calm. Right, someone, they have the oxygen mask strapped to them. It's unbelievable what they can get, um, what they can get these dogs to do.
1: Mm-hmm. I have a agree. lot of
3: respect for that.
2: Yeah, I can't get my kid to fold the laundry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the, mm-hmm. you teach dog fold laundry; it'd be fucking great. Fuck bomb! Yeah, Forget finding dog. Forget finding bombs. <laughs> I'd buy one. Of, I'd buy one of those. <laughs> laundry dog. Totally. I, Ellie, this has been an awesome interview. You know, I got to be honest, when I read your resume, although I talked to you at HITS and then so did Alicia, and I think Eric did too, and then we talked to Renee. And no, I I'm blew sorry. him off. I walked right by. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> so I was like, I read your resume. I was like, holy shit, what the fuck are we going to talk this guy about? So, uh, you know, it's been super interesting, and, you know, I, it, we addressed a lot of the questions that um, I think – everybody wanted to hear the answers to. Um, if not, they'll definitely tell us, I promise. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> and can, we, can we circle back on the, on the sure. pseudo and simulant
3: too? Cause I don't, I don't love the answer that I gave there. Absolutely. Um, I sort of had a, had a total brain fart. Right. But, um, okay. if, I, if I recall the question was something like, can you define and differentiate between pseudo and simulant and, and real odor that was yeah. that effectively right, the right. question?
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, so for me, pseudo scent is, is not a real scent, but is meant or formulated chemically to smell like it. So for me, that's what I think about when you go into like a candle, a candle store and you see it and it says like pumpkin spice or, you know, apple this, and there's no apple or pumpkin in the candle. They're just taking a bunch of chemicals and putting together and trying to mimic the smell of pumpkin, but there's no... You know, if you, I imagine, I haven't, I haven't, done this, right? I haven't worked with people done, but I imagine if you trained your dog on pumpkin spice candles, you probably wouldn't do very well finding actual pumpkins or pumpkin pie, right? Um, so that's that's what a pseudo scent is. It's not chemicals that are actually present in in it. It's just something that's meant to mimic the odor of that thing. Um, a simulant is something that is potentially present in the material or not potentially is present in the material, but it's not the active component of it. It's not the odorant. So that would be your, your cutting agent in a drug for me, right? So if someone puts baking soda or bleach or something else in their cocaine, you could you might train your dog to find the, the bleach or the cutting agent, or even in a, in a bomb or an ID, oftentimes they have batteries or electronic circuitry, right? If you train your dog to smell find bat- fine, the batteries or circuitry, you know, they, the are potentially present in ID, but they're not the actual explosive part of the ID. And they're, for that reason, they're not necessarily going to be present in, in all of the bombs, right. Or all drugs. Um, and then real is exactly that, right. It's It's the chemical that is from the material of interest itself, the, explosive or the drug that um, would be found in the odor if it were really present right and the interesting thing about that is sometimes uh, I know a lot of studies have been done on demining right and so TNT as an explosive but it turns out that the part that dogs actually smell because TNT is is not doesn't particularly go up into the headspace it breaks down I believe it's 24 or 26 I'm going to my chemistry friends are going to make fun of me for not remembering the difference. Right. But uh, d- <laughs> DNT or, or dinitro um, toluene is actually the part that's coming out of the landmines and is what the dogs are smelling. Right. And so that's, that's the real odor. You can train the dog to find the metal parts of the landmine or the tripwire of a landmine. But, um, and those might be, those might be useful as well. But when we talk about real explosive odor, we're talking about actually training on the explosive part, which Without that, you don't have an IED, right? You just you just have a really fancy paperweight or uh, cool yeah, piece of metal. Tuna,
1: you just have a tuna fish can.
3: Right, you have a speed yeah. bump. Exactly. All
1: right, so give the website
2: again.
3: It is truecent k9 that's the letter k. t r u e s e e n t k 9.com.
2: And I I love it. Um, I look forward to our relationship together. Um, I think we're going to train some good dogs, man, have a good time.
3: Well, thanks. I appreciate you having me on here. It was a lot of fun.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Elliot, it's been awesome. Um, Yeah, so for everybody listening, uh, truescentcanine.com, that's the letter K, the number nine. They've got everything up there. They also have – their stability and, val- and field validation stuff um, there, which we didn't really talk about. Uh, you can read it, and it's definitely uh, worthwhile to take a look at. Uh, you can find me at Ted underscore Summers on Instagram uh, or at Torchlight K nine letter K, the number nine. Eric, where are you?
2: I am at Vaness nine on Instagram, V-A-N-E-S-S, letter K, the number nine uh Van S K9 Academy on uh, Facebook. And then I'm still for the next month and a half before I retire, I'm still the training director for Police Canine Association. And they are at P9 PK9A dot com, Police K9 Association on Facebook, and Police Canine Association on Instagram.
1: Awesome. Ellie, it's been awesome, man. Uh, I appreciate it. It uh, you know, in the future, we'd love to have you back on and talk about some more specific stuff, um, should it come up. But man, it's been it's been a very very good interview for sure.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'd love to be back. And if anyone, we're happy to field email questions as well. Um, people don't often take me up on it, but some people that do, uh, they are afraid they abuse it. But I often get pictures uh, from downrange or from a crime scene. Hey, you know what? What do you think this is? Or I'm, I'm out of my league here. Give me some advice, and um, I'm happy I'm happy to do that for you as well. So feel free to reach out.
1: Excellent, excellent. Amazing. So, yeah. Uh, so check it out, everybody. Be sure to check out the Patreon also. Um, that's up and running. And we've got some cool stuff going on there. Eric and I talking about imprinting, talking about uh, scenario-based training, and the like, the stuff the war was harping on. So, yeah, Eric, anything else?
2: nope patreon.com uh look up working dog radio get the app you can get on the app look up working dog radio you'll see all kinds of cool things man it's our future
1: yeah absolutely right on ellie thanks a lot true scent canine.com thanks guys
3: have a good evening you too
1: proven canine training proven results providing scenario-based training for law enforcement based on years of law enforcement and military service creating dogs for scent detection tracking patrol and obedience national certifying official for all aspects of canine and canine related work watch for seminars across the country near your locations in northeast new mexico and amarillo texas find us on facebook and instagram by searching proven canine training (a letter k the number nine or at www.provendogtraining.com or give jj a call at 417-844-5816 I want everyone to head over to blue9products, that's blue-9.com, and check out The Climb. Eric and I have both been using them. I personally use it to teach place commands and a couple of other behaviors. It's basically a product that weighs 14 pounds. It's UV-stabilized, made in the United States. It'll hold 500 pounds by itself, so you can put ponies on it if you want. You can link them together to make larger ones, but it's great for training generalizations and teaching a place command. I also use it for sport dogs to teach directionals and to teach sends, or send Ways, and it works perfect too for fend offs in fact my decoy at the kennel has been using it with the law enforcement dogs to fend them off to make them go low check them out blue-9.com head over there use the discount code working dog 20 the number two zero save 20 bucks off your purchase of a climb the offer expires october 31st of 2018 so if you're listening to this after that head over there anyway and keep a head out and make sure that we'd be able to update these down the road Working Dog Radio is edited and co-produced by Dustin Wright at Bracket Designs. Be sure to hit him up at BracketDesigns.com for any branding or content-related work you have. We were graciously granted permission to use this rad music by Brother Deeg. Go buy him a beer at BrotherDeeg, spelled D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com, spelled D-E-G-E, or hit him up on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or any other music streaming stores. Check the show notes for links to both of these creative geniuses.
0: Fucker, you ever see? Yeah, I'm a crazy motherfucker walking
1: up your straight. Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite.
2: Listen, save all this shit for the fucking podcast. (laughs) Okay, Okay, okay.